Awesome. Good morning. You good? Well, I just want, for the record, I want you to know that uh, today is September 24th. That's important to know because September 23rd was yesterday. Rapture was supposed to happen yesterday. Maybe you didn't know that. So there's one of two things that I think we need to be aware of. One is, one is uh, that, listen, I just want to, uh, all joking aside, <laughs> know this. There are signs and seasons and times that the Bible speaks of. Those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, good. That, but if you do, let me just tell you, yesterday, if you went on the internet at any moment, you saw that we were supposed to, the church was supposed to, all this stuff was supposed to happen. Come on. Yeah, look at, look at, you should see all the thought bubbles above your heads. Uh, can, I, can I tell you this? What is that all about? I'm, here's the thing I love about the God's call in my life. I'm supposed to walk into dark places and just flip the lights on. A lot of, a lot of pastors just ignore this stuff. You got to say this. It's weird. It's just weird. The Bible's pretty clear about some things and some things it's kind of like nebulous. And so here's the deal. The rapture didn't happen yesterday or we got left behind. By the way, what is, this, what is this supposed to mean? Here's what it's supposed to mean. There are real signs that we're supposed to see. Jesus said pretty clearly, you should note the signs because there's a coming of the end of an age. Can I just tell you what yesterday I believe God was saying to the church in this whole thing? Get ready. It is going to happen. Did it happen yesterday? Huh? Will it happen? Yes. Will it include all of us? I hope. If it doesn't, get it right. You need Jesus. I think the thing I love about this whole thing the most of all was is it created an urgency and brought it to the surface. I had people asking me all over the place, what is the rapture? What happens when we get raptured? What do we, can we, should we? Is it pre, post, mid, whatever? And I, you know what I loved? I loved the people were talking about it. That there is an end time conversation happening. Maybe that was the point in this whole thing that we realize there's a finiteness to what it is that we're doing here, and it's not some sort of an infinite, we just continue to walk around bumping into walls and, and seeing, saying to ourselves, well, I'll get it right later. Can I just tell you, get it right now. Figure it out. Let's walk with Jesus today. And as we walk with Jesus today, you know what's going to happen? He's going to just catch us like a thief in the night, in the twinkling of an eye, in time when you least expect it. See, that's what the Bible says. That we sit there focusing in on a day and a time and a, a thing. Can I just tell you this? We're, here's the thing I think it's important. You, what does the Bible, you know what the Bible says, by the way, this is not part of the sermon. I think it's just important you know this. The, the Bible says this about, the Bible says the devil comes to do three things. You know what those are? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So we know that he kills and destroys, but what is something that he can steal from us that we'll never be able to get back? You know what it is? It's time. He takes a second from our life that we can never get back. He takes two seconds from our life. He takes 30 seconds from our life. He takes 30 years from our life, and we'll never get them back. You can't get them back, but you know what you can do? God can redeem times and seasons. And so here's the beautiful thing. Yesterday I found myself, um, we were uh, splitting some firewood out at my house yesterday, and I was thinking to myself, what, was, what if today really was the day? What if today really was the day that you come? You know, so I'm thinking, I, I, can I tell you this? Yesterday when I was cutting firewood, I kept on thinking to myself, I remember when I was in my 20s thinking, come quickly, Lord Jesus. 
bring it on. I just want to go home. Yesterday, I found myself in tears, swinging an axe. And this was my prayer. God, can you give us another day? Can you just give us another couple days? I was praying for you, and I was like, but our church is postured to reach lost people. Jesus, can you give us one more season? I mean, so maybe I'm the fault. I'm the reason it didn't happen. Because the Bible says prayers of righteous men are powerful and effective. Maybe that was it. I don't know. But can I just tell you this? I hope that he gives us another couple days. I hope he gives us another couple of years. Maybe even give us a century or two. Why is that important? Because there's a lot of lost people going to hell. And you are the light of the world. Yes. Not someone else. Not the professional Christian people around you. Whatever the heck that is. You and me are the light of the world. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's the call on our life. So the internet, it's just weird. Come on. Stop putting so much stock in that thing. It threw me off for a minute. I'd be lying to you if I didn't tell you that. But come on. Let's continue to just seek Jesus and share Jesus and be light in the midst of darkness. Can I just pray for peace over our church? God, I just pray for peace. Lord, uh, those people that know what I'm talking about, then bring it to them, God. Those people that don't, bring it to them too. We need you a bunch in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love that. I love that part of my life that God's just told me to walk into places and flip the lights on instead of tiptoeing around it and pretending. Come on. Listen, last week we started, we had our theme launch. There were some of you that weren't here. And to that, I'm bummed. I wish you were here. But uh, for the sake of our time today, I want to share with you a little bit about our theme that happened this last week. And some of you were like, what in the world is a theme? (laughs) A theme of our church. We really believe that God sets us on a course And that we're going to get on that course and we're going to journey that course together as a church. We believe he gives us an annual theme for the year. Uh, This past year and the year past that and beyond that, we've had themes that kind of helped uh, put the keel down in the water and our boat went along the way. We kind of feel the same way about this year. That our theme for 2017-18 is one word, send. That God has called us to be sent into a world. What are the odds that all of this stuff would float to the surface on the internet and then us have a calling to be sent out to the world? Well, I think it's a pretty good call. I think it's a pretty good reason. I think God's pretty good in his timing. So why wouldn't he do that for us and have us be a part of that? Sin, remember, our church has a mission, right? Every church has a mission. Hopefully you know the mission of your church. Your church's mission is to send loved, mended, and trained people out. All people. Not just the pros. Not just the ones who go into ministry. Not just the ones who, who, who leave here to go be employed by a church somewhere. Every one of us is to be sent out Onto the mission field. Amen. Come on. That was kind of weak. Amen. Okay, let me explain. I believe that our church is a pastor, missionary, church leader, grooming, training, equipping, and sending church. We will send out pastors. We will send out leaders. We will send out missionaries. We will, we've, we've done it, and we'll continue to do it. It's part of what we have as a DNA. But there's another part I think that that we miss, and and I feel like some of it's just been in some of what I've platformed and made a big deal of, and some of it's just simply because we're not talking about it nearly as as bold as we need to. That though our church is a pastor-sending, missionary-training-sending, church-worker-training-sending group, we're also a missionary-developing group of people, including each and every one of us. 
In other words, if you're here and you call this your home, you are a missionary in training to be sent out when? Today. Not when you're good and ready. Sent out today. I love the Bible when it says this one passage. I wish I could remember where it is. It's in the book of Matthew. I think it's in a couple of the Gospels. But it says, uh, you will be brought before governors and kings and you won't know what to say. But relax. This is the New Lance translation. Relax. I'll give you what to say when you need it. Right? What does that tell you? You're going to be brought before governors and kings and not know what to say. See, too many people come to me and go like, Pastor, you know, I'd share my faith with people, but I don't know what to say. I look at them and I go, good, you qualify by the Bible standards. If you knew what to say, I'd say, maybe you ought to back down a little bit. No, I'm kidding. Listen, I think we really need to come to the place where we trust God in those moments. Sent. I believe we are called to be sent. Well, you know, we're so serious about this send message that we actually changed the name of the church last weekend. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, You heard Heather come up here and say Puget Sound Foursquare Church. Come on, everybody hear her say that? So Some of you went like, huh? And some of you went like, yay, right? So Puget Sound Foursquare Church, why that? Well, let me, back in 1979, this church was planted by Tom and Renee Eisenhart. Renee's still on our staff. Pastor Tom's still around. He serves with Foursquare. But I can tell you this, that Puget Sound Christian Center was established in 1979 as a mission training center. I love it, because back in 1979, the word center meant come to a place to be trained to leave from, right? That's what it meant. Um, how many of you know that words change over time, right? I remember my kids when they were younger, my daughters specifically, because uh, I, was, I was dad and trying to uh, watch the heart of my daughters as they were becoming, you know, young teenagers. And I remember one of my daughters came to me and said, uh, hey, she was interested in a guy in her life, but she said this. She said, oh, don't worry, dad, we're just talking, Right? If you're over 30, that, you, know, you know what just talking means if you're over 30? Talking. This. If you're under 30, you know what it means? Not that. <laughs> I didn't know. And I'm like, yeah, my daughter's like, Dad, don't worry about it. We're just talking. And I'm like, oh, safe. Like just talking. Until I finally found out that meant something more than just, I meant dating. I meant that they were actually a relationship, that they were in something. And, and I was like, I didn't know. I wanted, we're going to talk. So I remember the first time this, I, I went and said, so you're in a relationship with this guy? And she's like, yes. And I said, he and I are meeting for coffee. So I got this poor kid. so nervous. I get him. I take him. We, we, we met up on South Hill at this coffee shop. I, I got it early as I possibly could. We're going to meet there at 5 a.m., right? <laughs> Why would I do that? Because I'm a dad. And I didn't care, right? So <laughs> got him there. Poor kid's like just, just eyes are all fuzzy. And he's like, what are you, you're dating my daughter. Uh-uh, we're just talking. No, no, we're going to call it what it is. Right, so scared the poor kid. Amen. Then they stopped talking. Yay. (laughs) Sorry, she's now married. There we go. To a different guy. (laughs) Listen, names change, words change over time. And, And I can tell you this, that Puget Sound Christian Center had its season and its time. And it's a wonderful name. And we come from an amazing heritage. I would tell my kids all the time, a good name is of great value. 
And I can tell you, a good name for Puget Sound Christian Center is of great value. I love this. But we felt so strongly that God was calling us to fulfill a mission that we wanted to go back and search out every communication level possible. And we really came down to something that we had been planning to do for a long time, which was to change the name of the church from our slogan name, Puget Sound Christian Center, to our legal name, which was Puget Sound Foursquare. And we felt like it was a real fulfillment of God's calling on our church. Christian Center, in a lot of ways, today communicates, come here to the destination. Come to the destination at the center and be here. We felt like God was telling us to go out to the region. So, so instead of Christian Center, we're saying Puget Sound, Foursquare to the region. So that was really the crux behind this whole thing. I love this, names change. Listen, did you know that Abraham's name initially was Abram? His name was changed from high father to father of a multitude, Abraham. His wife, Sarai, her name meant princess. God changed it to Sarah, which meant mother of nations. God changed Jacob's name, which meant deceiver, to Israel, which meant having power with God. And Simon Peter, his name was changed from God has heard to small rock or pebble. I love that. God's changed our name to be really fulfilling what God has created us to be as a church. Really all churches. Our job is to come and be equipped to be sent out to where? to the mission field God sends us to. There are people in your pathway that I'll never come in contact with. I've said this before, and it bears saying again, that you literally, listen to me, every single one of you, you literally are the only Bible some people are ever going to open up. You're the only expression of God that they're ever going to really see. Well, except for what they see on TV and the Internet. And whatever it is that you present to them might be different than that. But when they see you have real struggles and they see you find real hope, when they see you have real victories and they see you stub your toe, all of that communicates a message to people when you say, I'm going to walk this thing out and my relationship to God is really important to me. You are the only Jesus some people will ever see. You're the only Bible they're ever going to open up. And when they hear you talk about the Bible, or they hear, well, maybe they never hear you talk about the Bible. Well, maybe they never hear you talk about Jesus. Maybe they never even actually see Jesus in you. Maybe the people you work with, live with, talk with, or walk around don't even know you're a Christian. If not you, then who? That's what I love what God's called us to as a church, is to be sent out from here equipped, loved, mended, trained, and to be the light of the dar- in the darkness. Thank you. I love it. From Puget Sound Christian Center to Puget Sound Foursquare, what does that mean? It means that we're going to say it wrong a few times. It means that we're going we're gonna to stand up here and say pscc.net, and we're going to say all kinds of stuff. Can I just tell you, sorry about that. Help us. We'll figure it out in time. It means our emails are going to change. It means all things are going to, there's a lot of things that are going to have to be adjusted, right? So financially, I want you to know every, all your giving is still good and covered with pscc.net. We're working through all of that, and we'll let you know when it transfers over into whatever the new thing is. But I want you to know everything is exactly the same, but we're just going to be in the process of changing that. Amen? So just give us a little grace. And if you see something that we need to fix or do, let us know, and because sometimes we're going to miss some of it. And that's going to help us to see it. Let me tell you a couple of things I wanted to mention last week that I didn't have time because I was so excited about some of the other stuff. There's a couple of things that we're adding to our plate this year in our theme launch is this thing I'm really excited about. We started a, a nonprofit foundation called Given to Give. 
the Given to Give Foundation. What this does is it enables us, actually we had some people in our church who started this, it's literally a nonprofit organization that allows us to really provide for our community. It's amazing. You know, oftentimes you can't procure resources from some organizations if you're a church. So we had some people in our church say, let's start a separate 501c3 so we can actually be a part of serving the community and getting some of the resources available to give out. It's not for funding the church in Jesus' name. It has nothing to do with that. It's a separate organization that we've started to help in the process. You'll hear more about in the coming weeks. But, but I remember when I worked at Costco for 11 years, uh, all, all too often, every, every fall or so, they would come to us and say, hey, there's an opportunity to give to uh, a charitable organization, you know, Boys and Girls Club, United Way, whatever it was, and you could give to those things. Well, now our, we have one called Given to Give, and we'll hear, you'll hear more about how that stuff can work, but we actually at Costco, they would match funds to the giving. You, maybe your work does the same thing. We want to give you an opportunity for that, so if you'd like to do that, you could do it. What will that money go towards? Reaching the community, serving the community, giving to the community. We have the clothing bank. We have stuff we're going to be handing out to people. We want to really be a part of this journey with us. So you'll hear about this. I want you to know what it looks like and when you hear it, what it's a little more ex- explaining about it looks like. Puget Sound Foursquare Church also has send opportunities. So corporately, we're going to invite you to these moments. Not only are you a missionary personally, but we want you to be a missionary corporately. So we have these moments like the back to school jam like we had just a few weeks ago. We have our Halloween outreach that's going to show up here in about a month where we're going to invite the community in here. And we're going to love on them. We're going to give them all kinds of sugar and hot dogs and just say you're amazing and look at their costumes and laugh and smile and just be Jesus. Come on. Thanks. <laughs> I love it. Holiday Hope is coming up too. We're going to serve the community and then we get to support our schools through what's called all kinds of ways you can support our schools. I don't know if you knew this. But we have a, a group called the uh, Healthy Youth Coalition that, that's happening now. About 15 different nonprofit organizations come alongside of the schools in, in here in Tacoma, right here in our region, just locally, and, and they help out the best they can. Do you realize of all 15 of those organizations, we're the only church who came along and said, how can we support and be a part of this Healthy Youth Coalition? That, I love that. We get to get to be in the midst of all that stuff and help and do what we can possibly do to be a part of that. We're going to invite you to send moments every day. So these moments, you get a chance to be sent into your community in line at the grocery store, uh, talking with your banker, showing Jesus to coworkers and roommates and sharing with your dentist and plumber. I'm telling you, that's what we're going to call and equip you to. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have what we call our, our, our sync up Sunday, when we're going to invite you to get connected to our church, get connected at some level in a smaller group of people. Because I can tell you this, that there's some people that come to larger churches like this one uh, and just sit in the back and do nothing. Can I tell you, that's super easy to do. I, I, used to, I planted a church at one point that was half of this section, about this much. And let me tell you this, um, you had to get involved. In fact, it was kind of funny. This is, this is really, sorry. I can tell you, we had, a, we had a Christmas thing one time. We had not enough kids to do a Christmas pageant. And so there was, there was one gal in the church who was like, I don't want to be up front because I hate being in front of everyone. And so I went down to one of the churches in town because we had a Saturday night service only. And I said, hey, we're going to pull off a Christmas pageant. I got the, 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 the cardboard donkey and the angel costumes with wings. And I handed out costumes to everyone in the church, all 12 of us. Right? And so we were going to do the Christmas pageant together. And she was like not volunteering for any of the things. So they all, I was handing out you know, canes and I mean, all the stuff, shepherd costumes, and, and they were all handed them out, right? And the church was just this little size right here. And she was like, I don't want to volunteer for anything because I don't want to be in front of anyone. 
right? So, so everyone has their costumes, and they all came up on the platform, and we were going to perform it, and she was the only one sitting out there. <laughs> I was like, hey, Lisa, you're, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, hilarious. Hey, open your Bibles, if you could, to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I want you to know this. We talked a little bit about this. Uh, can you guys put that, that picture up on the screen? This was what was called up in Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was this place that was just north of the Sea of Galilee by about 25 miles. Jesus takes his disciples on a field trip up there. We don't know why he took them up there, but he took them up to Caesarea Philippi. It, it wasn't a destination. It wasn't some place that they would typically go. Caesarea Philippi was this place that was basically up in the middle of nowhere in the northern region of the Palestine area. So as he gets up there with them, Jesus asks them an amazing question. Here's what it was. Go down to verse 13 of chapter 16. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or the other prophets. Then he, Jesus, asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Love that. This picture that you see up on the screen, is it up there now? Can you get it up there real quick? This picture right here is what's called, um, that big cave right there was known as the gates of hell. We talked about this last week. It was the place that these people believed. The Caesarea Philippi was this um, godless place that that people, idol worship, uh, child sacrifices, Crazy, crazy things happen. This big cave was a place they believed that this false god Baal would go down into and come up from every winter and spring, and, and he would bring forth something to the uh, right to the uh, right hand side of the picture over there was this big temple to a god called Artemis. And you can only imagine, like this was one one area that all of these false gods were worshipped. It wasn't like they had their own special place. It was all one big thing. And they were all cut into the side of this big rock that was there. The rock there was connected to a place called Mount Hermon. So Mount Hermon was this really big rock that was there up on top of Mount Hermon, snow-capped mountain in Israel, believe it or not. There's still snow there today. It's, it's what it was. But interestingly enough, in, in chapter 17, just following chapter 16, was where Jesus took a couple of the disciples. It says, on a high hill... And the Mount of Transfiguration was what happened. Some of you are familiar with that story. I think this was where it happened. In fact, they were up there in this upper region, 25 miles from the Sea of Galilee. The Bible says in the next chapter, six days later, Jesus took his disciples to a high mountain. Some people believe it was this one or, or another mountain that was about 50 miles from here called Mount Tabor. I don't understand why Jesus would take them to this mountain, walk 50 miles to go up another mountain just to have this transfiguration moment. I think it all happened here. Why is that important? Because I think regionally, I think ge- uh, geographically, I think uh, that this whole purpose of God bringing them here for some reason was really important. I think geography played a big role in this message. Jesus takes his disciples 25 miles out of nowhere and tells them, I want to build my church somewhere. He says, who do you say that the Son of Man is? Jesus, Peter says, you're the, you're the Messiah. Jesus says, I want to build my church here. Now get the picture. Jesus was certainly telling his disciples he wants to build his church somewhere. Now remember, Jesus was Jewish. There were a bunch of Jewish followers. There's no good reason that Jewish people should be here at the gates of hell. 
In fact, it would be a bad place for them to go. Jesus takes them here. I want to build my church here. I think Jesus was saying something geographically. I think Jesus was saying, guys, I want to build my church where nobody knows me. I want to be, I want to be light in darkness. I want to be hope in despair. I, I want people to, to, to go out to the world, the farthest reaches of the world, where the gates of hell are, and show me to the world. Amen. I think that's what God has called us to. I think God has brought us to this place where literally Jesus is saying, I want to bring my church to this place. Caesarea Philippi was the center of crazy idol worship. It was this confluence of Jew and Gentile melded together. Can I tell you another place that's just like that? Tacoma, Washington. Tacoma, Washington is a crazy, crazy center of idol worship. It is a confluence of Jew and Gentile melded together. Can I use any more similar words? This, my brothers and sisters, is exactly the region that we live in. See, we want to say, nah, Lance, that's the Middle East. Nah, that doesn't make any sense here. Can I tell you this? Jesus literally wants us to be light and darkness, hope in, in the midst of despair. He wants, us to be, he wants us to be the hope where there is absolute hopelessness. I think Jesus wants to build this church. By the way, he doesn't say, you go build the church. He says, you go be light. I build the church. I will build the church. We just get to go be in the midst of people. We just get to show them the love of Christ that's inside of us. We just get to stand before him and he'll give us things to say. We get to be about that process. I believe Jesus was saying this, I want to go where people don't know me and build a church there. I want to reach people who are blind to me. I want to go where dark is darkest and bring the light there. See, Jesus, I think Jesus could have said, I think Jesus could have said, hey, who do, who, do the, who do they say the Son of Man is? He could have said it any time. Jesus could have said it on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus could have said it when they were in Jerusalem. He could have said it as they were passing through Samaria. Instead, Jesus takes them to the gates of hell and says, who do the people say the Son of Man is? By the way, interestingly enough, the word Son of Man, it's just kind of a funny way to say it, right? In the New Testament, 80 different times that phrase shows up. The Son of Man is a phrase that we refer to back as Jesus describing himself as completely human. Remember, he was completely God and he was completely man. So when Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man, 88 different times in the Bible, New Testament, he's referring to his humanity, the Son of Man. Now, in the Old Testament, the phrase Son of Man also showed up in the book of Daniel. Listen to this. There were, by the way, these people who were listening to Jesus talk were Jewish and they read the Old Testament. Can I tell you that Peter, James, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, all those guys, none of them didn't, they didn't read the New Testament. They wrote it. You know which Bible they read? The Old Testament. They were completely aware of Old Testament scriptures. Get this. Daniel says in chapter 7, verse 13, As my mission continued at night, I saw someone that looked like, in your Bibles it might say, a man. The Aramaic actually says this, someone like a son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven. This is the prophecy that happened thousands of years before Jesus was born. It says, He approached the ancient one and was led to his presence. He was given authority and honor and royal power over all nations of the world, so that, so that people in every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Now, you've got to imagine that all of these people, these Jewish people before Jesus came, all knew this passage. 
Every one of them knew this Daniel passage because they were looking for this coming Messiah who would rule and reign and have a kingdom and never end and be authority and all the things that it described. When Jesus says to his disciples at the gates of hell, who do, you, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They knew exactly what he was talking about. They knew Jesus was calling himself the Messiah. That's through. I'm sure they all were like, you just raised it a level. They just all probably thought to themselves, you didn't call yourself you. You didn't say, who do people say that I am? They said, who do people say that the Son of Man is? What he was saying to them who were familiar with the Daniel passage was, who do people say that the Messiah is? You know, that's my question today. Who does Tacoma say that the Messiah is? Who do the Puget Sound regions say that Jesus is? Well, he's a religious figure. He's a promise breaker. He's a hurtful one. He doesn't always do what I asked him. He doesn't show his churches are weird. But who do people say that Jesus is? Who do people say the Messiah is here in Tacoma, here in the Puget Sound region? It's not a very good sight. Most of the time, it's not necessarily a very good picture. Listen to this. Sarah Nakano gave me some of these statistics earlier this summer. Tacoma has a population of about 211,277 people, to be exact. 211,000 people. Statistics tell us that about 52, a little bit more than that, percentage of the people are considered lost So about 110,000 people don't know Christ of the 211,000 people. 65,918 are what fall into what statisticians call the uninvitable category. It's this group of people that if you invited them somewhere churchy, they would say, no thanks. About 65,000 people would say, "Mm -mm, I want nothing to do with your spirituality. Listen to this. But statistics tell us that nearly 40,000, 38,000 to be exact, are open to an invitation, to an invitation to a Bible study, to an invitation to your house for dinner, to an invitation to a church service. About 38,000 people are open spiritually at some level here in just Tacoma to being invited. Can I tell you who they're not going to go knocking on the door of to be invited? Me. But who they're going to talk to is you. I worked for Costco for 11 years, and I loved it because when I was working there, somehow I'd show up, and I worked at a, not at the, not the store. I worked at the store, but for most of the time, I worked at the distribution center, so we, we didn't have to deal with customers. And it was a really more relaxed environment. I remember people coming up to me all the time and saying, like, hey, uh, you're the God guy, right? And I was like, what do you mean, man? They're like, you know, uh, having trouble with my marriage, don't know how to fix it. And I'd say, wow, okay, I'll pray with you. And I'd pray with them. They'd come up to me, they'd, they'd drive up on their forklift, hop off, and they'd come over to my area and say, uh, hey, uh, I'm kind of nervous about going to hell. Don't want that to happen. What do I do? And I had these opportunities to be able to, can I tell you this? You have somewhat the same. I had my boss, my manager, come to me and say, hey, you know that guy, that, that one who went in, for, uh, he went in for surgery, he has a staph infection. Can I send you? Because you're one of those preacher guys, aren't you? Can you go to the hospital? I was like, little do you know, I don't like hospitals, but I'll, I'll go. So I went. 
I got to go love on this guy, Dave, who came to know Jesus. Can I just tell you, like, you get to be the light in darkness. Literally 40,000 people just in this region alone are spiritually open for us to be able to invite them. My question for you today is this. Are you inviting them into your world? Or have you said to yourself, I I don't know the answers. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to be. Can I tell you, if you don't know, you're in good company. You don't need to know. You just get a B. Because you're to be sent. This morning, I want us to partake of communion. Why do I want us to partake of communion? Well, because I think we need to do it more often for one. And for two, because Jesus said at this moment when he had communion, he said for us to do this in remembrance of him. Communion. What is communion? Communion was this, this can I get all the, the communion stuff to go ahead and get passed out? You'll see inside the trays, there's two cups, one stacked in another. Just grab two cups out, and, and you'll see that the bread is beneath the juice. Let's go ahead, go ahead and pass it out, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Thanks, guys. What is communion? Communion is this beautiful moment of remembering this, this beautiful picture that Jesus gave us. The Bible says that Jesus sat down with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. I think it's always interesting to me that Jesus used the night that he was betrayed to participate in this amazing Passover meal. Why do I want us to receive communion today? Because I almost feel like it's this, it's this moment of us being sent out to our region. But I want to make sure that you understand whose it is that you are before we go. I want to help you to remind yourself that you belong to the King of Kings, that you have a Messiah, that you serve Jesus, and that as we walk in this moment that we'll be able to partake of communion to remember this beautiful picture of what Jesus did for us. The Bible says on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread. It says that he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body broken for you. My body broken for you. Literally, this was just before Jesus was to be crucified on the cross. It was that that, that very day, the the next day he was going to be crucified on the cross. Jesus was taking this and he literally hands it to them and says, my body's about to be broken for you. Guys, if we forget the message of this communion moment, then we forget the commissioning of our calling to be sent to a region. God's calling us to be sent to a region because literally it's what he did. Sometimes I wonder how easier it would have been for him to just skip past us as a bunch of unwilling vessels and just do it himself. But why would he include us in the picture? Why would God empower and encourage and enliven you to be light to the darkness? Because he loves you and he trusts you. The Bible says not to partake of communion in an unworthy fashion. In fact, it even goes on to say that some people who have partaken of communion in an unworthy fashion where their hearts were wrong are literally sick and some have even died. That doesn't get preached on a lot. Can can I just say this morning that I want us to prepare our hearts as we receive this communion. Can we do that? Jesus, I just pray right now that you would help us to be prepared. Thank you. Be prepared to receive communion. God, that our hearts would be available. If there are places in our life that are uh, they're out of line because we're walking in blatant sin and disobedience, then I pray that we would get right before you. If that's you right now, I want you to say, Jesus, forgive me.
forgive me. I want my heart to be right before I receive communion. I don't want to do this in an unworthy fashion and and invoke judgment upon my life. I, I want to walk in righteousness the best I can. Forgive me, God, where I've crossed the line. Forgive me where I've walked in compromise. Forgive me where I've held unforgiveness. Go ahead and grab that bread out of the bottom. Let's partake of the body broken for us. Thank you, Lord. The Bible goes on to say that Jesus took the cup. He took it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my blood the blood of a new and everlasting covenant shed for you and for all so that your sins would be forgiven. He said, when you do this, remember what it is that this is all about. That this isn't just a moment to have a a, a refreshment in the midst of church. This was about me shedding my blood on a cross so that you would have life. The Bible says "Without without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission or forgiveness of sin. Jesus' shed blood gave us the ability to be able to walk in freedom. We get to communicate that to a lost world. Let's partake together of the fruit of the vine. Mm. You can take and pass your cups to the an aisle. It'll be great. I just want to close today with this. Back in March, Shelly Osmus gave me... Um, Actually, it was back in March that she wrote this, but it wasn't until just a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, that she actually handed this to me. Before she knew that we were going to be having a theme that was going to be this theme, she came to me and said, Lance, back in March I was studying my Bible and I felt like there was a prophetic word given to the church. Do you mind if I share this with you? Again, Shelley had no idea what our theme was for this year. All she said was, is I feel like there's something that God's saying to Puget Sound, at that time, Christian Center. What, what is it that, that it is? And she said, can I share it with you? And I said, well, sure, that's great. We were meeting for a whole separate reason. This literally happened on the way out the door. And she said, um, I'll just share this word with you, and then I'll, I'll type it up and send it to you, what I have in my journal. But let me just read a bit of an excerpt from it. This was March 9th, 2017. She said, a prayer for our church, personal thoughts, but they're very possibly word from the Lord. Love men, train sin. We do the first and the last of these in our mission statement best, at least in this season. Question, does send always mean sending away from our church? This idea of this idea setting into our church, especially with our leadership, bringing young, passionate leaders up front, and then apparently they grow beyond us and we send them elsewhere. What does this say to everyone else who stays? That those of us who are left behind are not growing, that we're not being used? What would happen if the church and the city, if we refocused the send message? What if send meant to send people out every week into the immediate mission field that awaits them? What if the signs on the exit doors of our parking, to our parking lot said, you're about to enter your mission field today. Today is the day of salvation. And it goes on. She said, the word I believe the Lord is saying to us is send. She had no idea what our mission, our theme was going to be for this year. 
There was another person who came to me with the same confirmation. Two other people, so three in total, came up to confirm that God was calling Puget Sound Foursquare Church to be sent. What does that mean? You are sent. When you're ready, no. Actually, this prophetic word goes on to say, in fact, it's better if you're not ready. Because what happens when we're weak? He's strong. What happens when we don't know what to say? He gives us the words to say. What happens when we're standing there like deer in headlights? God shows up and gives you peace. Every one of us. Why would I have us have communion? Why would I give you this message? Why would I tell you this prophetic word? Because I just want to be honest and open with you and tell you that's what God's calling you to. He's calling us to send to a world that is so confused, to a world that is so disheveled, to a world that is so, so blind right now saying, I don't know which way's up. They're looking for you. Can I pray for you this morning? Just a word of commission. Right now, as you're sitting there, can you take your hands and just put them on your lap as if you're gonna receive something? I believe there's a commission that God's sending into your life. Father, this morning, I know that there are men and women here, some who know you and some who don't. And those that don't, if you don't know Jesus right now, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, this morning as you have your hands open and available to his spirit, I want you to say, Jesus, I need you as my savior. I give my life to you completely. As the song we sang this morning said, take my ashes for your beauty. Everyone else who's sitting in here who claims the name of Jesus, their savior, Lord, that we all would receive a recommissioning, ascending forth out into a world, a Matthew 28, go into all the world kind of commissioning. Out of your mouth, I want you to say to Jesus, your own volume, it doesn't matter. Say, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. And you watch God begin to send you. Send me people to talk to. Send me people to love on. Send me people to encourage. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You good?